Hello and welcome to the Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Ben Hughes. I'm one of the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and one of the creators of the Fit Over 40 method. And for more information about what we do, go to www.fit40info.com. In today's episode, I'm going to be revealing for women over 40 the best foods to lose weight. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's podcast. So one of the most common questions that we get asked about how to lose weight over 40 is what are the best foods to eat for losing weight for women who are in their 40s and 50s? And I've worked with so many women who are in this age group who felt stuck because they didn't know what they should be eating to get the scales moving. So instead, they were trying everything. They were trying keto, they were trying low carbs, shake diets, clean eating, meal plans, slimming groups, online programs, plant-based diets, even going vegan, but nothing was really working. They would step on the scales after a long week of dieting and see zero movement or maybe even be heavier than they were before. And when you're not seeing results, it's very hard to stay motivated. And that's why a lot of women end up giving up, leaving them stuck and unable to get their weight under control, choosing clothes to cover up problem areas rather than wearing the things they like, hating shopping for clothes because nothing fits quite right anymore, especially in the more trendy shops and especially around the middle, and staring at a wardrobe full of amazing clothes that they could no longer wear, and worrying that this is just part of the aging process, which they might have to accept. And the reason that this happens is simple. Women's bodies and hormones start to change as they get older, which can make it easier to gain weight, especially around the middle, and harder to lose that weight again with the normal methods of dieting. But if you have the right approach to nutrition, one which is designed to work for women over 40, you can quickly and easily get the scales moving and drop two stone in as little as 12 weeks. So in today's podcast, I'm going to be revealing the best foods to eat for women over 40 so you can do exactly that. And just a side note, I also recorded this training for the women inside our Fit Over 40 program. So you'll get a little bit of an insight on the type of training that that the women are getting inside that program. But hopefully this will really, really help you out and really help you to get the scales moving and get the results that you're after. First thing I want to cover today then is kind of a little bit about good foods and bad foods. So it's easy to kind of put foods into groups and say, you know, some foods are good, some foods are bad. And I think this is a very, very common mindset that it gets taught by a lot of different diets and a lot of different programs where, you know, certain foods will be banned, certain foods will be labeled as bad, and certain foods will be almost, you know, in some cases, you can have these in an unlimited quantity. You can have as many of these as you want. But the reality is this can be a bit of an unhealthy mindset because it can lead to you seeing everything as black or white. And in our experience, it can lead to, for example, every time you have something that's bad, it leads to you quitting or it leads to you throwing in the towel. It leads to you thinking, I've failed. I've gone off track now. I've eaten the wrong food. And therefore, you then give up. Um, and that you only feel good, you only feel like you're succeeding if you're always eating the right foods and you're being 100% perfect. So it can lead to kind of a, a perfectionism mindset. So rather than this kind of everything is good, everything is bad, everything is black, everything is white approach, what works much better is to be able to kind of read and understand the nutrition labels 
on all of the different foods that you're eating. So as you're kind of figuring out what you're going to eat, it's best to just figure out, you know, what is in this particular food. And then from there, you can judge whether you're going to have it or not. If you are going to have it, how much of it you're going to have, how much of it you're not going to have. Um, so the best thing to do in this case is to really just look at the, for each food that you look at, you consider, am I going to eat this food? Look at the little table of food on the back. And if you look at the, the little table of ingredients and nutrition on the back of each piece of food, the thing you want to look out for is how much of things there are per hundred grams in a particular food that you're decide that you're planning to eat that you're thinking this this is something that i'm going to eat so you then want to compare like to like so you take product number a and product b and you look at the 100 grams amount for each one and then based on that you can decide whether you're going to have one thing or whether you're going to have another thing depending on which one is better so the things that you are going to want to compare on the back of a food packet are firstly calories so if you pick, a, if you have two different foods, for example, let's say you have uh, two different yogurts, for example, one of them is like a low, low fat Greek yogurt. And the other one is just kind of a standard yogurt. Maybe it's a strawberry flavored yogurt, something like that. If you look at the two of those different yogurts, the low fat one is likely going to be per 100 grams, less calories than the other one, especially if the other one is flavored or it's, it, you know, it's got fruit in or something like that. So in terms of making the best choice there in terms of calories, it's going to be better to choose the one which has less calories per 100 gram, because what that means is the less calories you can get in a food per 100 gram, the more of that food you can eat, the more of that food you can have in your bowl without it becoming too many calories and becoming too much food. So first of all, if you can find something which is lower calories per 100 gram, it's, it's likely going to be a better food than the next thing. The next thing you can look at is the protein. So these are kind of things you're looking, you're, you're wanting to achieve. So low calories per 100 gram. When it comes to protein, usually the more protein you can have in something per 100 grams, the better. So to go back to the Greek yogurt example, one of the really good things about Greek yogurt, um, especially a 0% fat Greek yogurt, first of all, it's low in calories for the, for the weight. But secondly, per 100 grams, it's also going to be quite high in protein. I've covered, I've done previous trainings on, you know, why it's important to get plenty of protein, but all you really need to know about protein is if you eat more protein, you're going to see better results in terms of losing body fat, in terms of getting stronger, in terms of muscle tone. Essentially, your results are going to go faster if you eat more protein or if you eat enough protein um, each day. There's kind of a limit. As long as you get, get enough you're going to see good results. So if you can make sure that the things that you, the foods that you're eating are low in calories and high in protein, it's all going to add up towards you getting what you want. And the third thing to look out for would also be sugars. And sugar would be like the, the, the thing I would look at on every food packet to make sure that the food you're eating is not loaded with loads of added sugar. So again, if you look at these two different yogurts and you find out that one of them is 30% sugar, and the other one is 4% sugar, then the one that's 4% sugar is going to be much better for you and likely as well much lower in calories than the one which is 30% sugar. So if you can't do this, if you don't know how to kind of read a food, uh, the, read the, the packet of food and look at what's in 100 grams of one food versus what's in 100 grams of another food, it's almost like 
you're illiterate and it, it's like you could you can't you won't be able to understand what the food is that you're actually putting into your body and if you can't understand that if you can't kind of read the foods and take them for what they are you're basically at risk of getting conned by all the different marketing on food labels that make it look healthy when in fact you'd be much better off with something else that might even be more delicious might even look more unhealthy so the key is like never really judge the foods that you're eating by what's on the front of the packet I mean, obviously there are exceptions to the rules. So for example, if you're having vegetables, if you're having meats, things like that, basic sort of raw ingredients, you probably you don't really need to do this. For example, one pack of potatoes on the shelf is going to be no different from another pack of potatoes. One bag of apples is going to be no different from another bag of apples. One pack of chicken breast is going to be no different from another pack of chicken breast. But whenever it's something that's been a little bit more processed, so for example, a yogurt where people... You know, the, the ingredient it's been made the ingredients have been made they've been altered in some way maybe flavor's been added fat's been reduced etc you need to be able to read what the types of what what is in each piece of food so you can then decide are you going to have option a or are you going to have option b and which one is going to be better to get you towards where you want to be so just to kind of summarize again the things you're looking for when you're comparing food packets first of all you want to look at the per 100 grams amount because if you can compare per 100 grams, you're comparing literally like for like versus, um, you know, there might be two things that you get and it, it says per portion, but the portion on one thing might be smaller than the portion on the other thing, which then means that all the numbers don't really compare. So you want to compare 100 grams of one thing with 100 grams of the other thing. You want to look for something that is low in calories. So you can have more of it without going over and having too many calories. You want to look for something which is high in protein so that you can get plenty of protein and therefore see the best possible results. And if possible, you want to look for something which is also lower in sugar, not packed with sugar. And, you know, have a look through the rest of the ingredients as well. If there's one product which is full of all sorts of different artificial chemicals, etc and another one which looks it has a shorter ingredient list it looks a bit more natural it looks a bit more better for you then you can just make that informed decision but like all the information you need to know about every food is on the back of the packet so just get top tip is just get used to reading the back of the packet when you buy things in the supermarket so it's not as if you're going to have to do this every single time because once you figure out what foods work for you what brands you like what particular products fit in with your own guidelines then you can just stick to that that healthier products rather than sticking to unhealthier alternatives so the second tip is avoiding foods that are naturally high in calories and are low in nutrition nutrition so typically foods which are high in calories and low in nutrition are foods which are high in fat and they're also high in simple carbs so they're going to be high in fat and also high in simple carbs. So most of these things tend to be, tend to fall into the category of foods that are beige. So beige foods, AKA pastries, biscuits, pizza, croissants, uh, pasta, any food that's just kind of a, that beigey brown color, other than again, you know, potatoes, sweet potatoes, not so bad. Anything that's like, you know, some sort of baked good, which is beige or also foods which are sugary. So foods which are high in, so, you know, desserts, chocolate, cakes, etc. And 
I know all of these things are delicious. I think we all like pastries, biscuits, pizza, chocolates, desserts every once in a while. Um, but the thing with these foods are they were never designed to be good for your body. They were never designed to help you lose weight. They were never designed to help you achieve your goals when it comes to fitness. They were purely designed to light up your taste buds, to be very hard to resist and to be very inexpensive to make. So if you think about, uh, you know, the ingredients that go into a cake, so ingredients that go into a cake, um, egg, an egg, not very expensive, sugar, not very expensive, flour, not very expensive, butter or margarine, because that's even cheaper, not very expensive. The, the ingredients that make cake, the ingredients that make chocolate, the ingredients that make biscuits, all these other unhealthy foods are very, very cheap, which means, and they're also very, very delicious. So if, you're, if you can imagine a food company that's trying to make as much profit as possible, their, their aim is really to design something that you, you love eating, you can't resist, and it's very cheap for them to produce so they can make as much profit as possible um and even better if they could make it you know so the more you eat the more you want so they can make it a little bit addictive it's going to be even better but the problem with these foods are they're not very filling because they digest very very quickly and quickly you then want more so if you're also sat down at a desk for most of the day working if you're not that active if you're not doing absolutely loads of steps you don't have kind of a a really active job role. It doesn't take eating many of these foods or many of these things before you can undo all the other healthy eating that you might have done over the week. So if you're eating well in your in your normal main meals, but in between those main meals, you're eating all of these beige snacks, sugary snacks, things that are high in fat, high in carbs, really high in calories, but not very filling, um, that could easily add up to enough to avoid you seeing any results from all of the hard work that you're putting in. So avoiding foods that are naturally high in calories and low in nutrition is really, really important. So, I mean, if you think, for example, you take a croissant, you compare it to, um, you know, a head of broccoli, the croissant is going to have no fiber, no, pretty much no vitamins, no minerals. The head of broccoli is going to have plenty of fiber. It's going to have vitamins. It's going to have minerals. It's really, really good for your body. These kind of base sugary foods, they don't have any real nutritional value. They also, you know, they're not going to have high protein either. So in terms of getting your, um, getting you towards their goals, your goals, they're not really adding anything other than calories. So if you can eat things that have calories, but also they come with vitamins, minerals, fiber, et cetera, things that your body needs, things that your body likes in order to function, um, then you can see much, much better results in the mirror as a result. So the best way, to, if you're kind of stuck in a cycle of eating these foods, the best way to end that cycle, I think is to just go cold, cold turkey for one to two weeks to eliminate those cravings and break those bad habits. So of course, in our program, we do something called the, in, in a diet makeover, um, in that diet makeover, the main aim of that is just breaking those bad habits. And then after that, once you've succeeded with that, if you broke that initial kind of addiction, you can then reintroduce those foods in moderation. So from weeks two onwards, um, as long as you're keeping those beige unhealthy foods less than kind of 20% of your overall calorie intake, it should be absolutely fine. Because in that other 80% of what you're eating, if you're having whole foods, 
vegetables, fruits, um, kind of good carbs, potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, oats, um, meat, fish, etc. If you're having good foods for the other 80%, you're going to be getting enough nutritional value from those things that you can fit in a few treats and a few, a few snacks. So to summarize, if possible, avoid foods that are naturally high in calories and are low in nutrition. So think beige foods and think sugary foods. As long as you do that, that should really help improve in terms of your improve your food choices overall so the third tip is to eat foods which are higher in protein so protein is key i've already kind of talked about um protein today but protein one thing i didn't say about it is it's a very very filling food which actually sends a signal to your brain that stops you from feeling hungry so if you eat for example a certain amount of calories of a carby fatty food those beige sugary foods i talked about before no signals are sent to your brain or less signals are sent to your brain to say that you're full and you don't need to eat anymore which is why it's very very easy if you sit down with a packet of biscuits or crisps or something like that those things can feel very very moorish and you can eat a huge amount of those unhealthy sugary foods and not necessarily feel that full or even if you do feel that full you're able to just keep going and keep eating those foods. However, if you eat the same amount of calories in protein, when that hits your stomach and when that starts digesting, it literally sends a signal to your brain, which tells your brain that you're full. So your hunger hormones then switch off. Your cravings start to reduce and your, your brain stops wanting to have any more food. So you'll find that for example, if you were to eat two chicken breasts, if you cook yourself two chicken breasts and you just ate two massive large chicken breasts on a plate, firstly, you may struggle to actually get through those chicken breasts. But secondly, once you've eaten those, you're likely to feel very, very full compared to if you had a big plate full of chips or something like that. Um, in addition, another good thing about protein is that 30% of the calories that you eat or that you put on your plate from protein are taken up by digesting that protein. So protein is more difficult to digest than fats and carbs, especially processed fats and carbs. The more processed something is, the easier it is for your body to digest. And if something's easy for your body to digest, it doesn't take much energy to digest. You absorb a lot of the calories from it. So your body ends up absorbing a, a big amount of calories, which can then obviously end up as body fat or end up reducing the results that you see in the mirror. However, protein takes a lot of calories to break down, takes a lot of calories to digest. And because of this, if you eat, for example, 300 calories of protein, 30% um, of those calories are going to be taken digesting that protein. So really, you may only end up with something like 200 calories of protein actually being absorbed and actually being um, you know, taken in to your system. Um, the, the next thing that's really, really good about protein, I sound like protein's biggest fan here, but for women over 40 in particular, it's really important to take, enough, take in enough protein as it's used by the body for growth and repair of your muscles. So one of the effects of aging is a decrease in muscle mass, which in turn decreases your metabolism. So the more muscle mass you have, the faster your metabolism. And if your, if your muscle mass decreases, your metabolism also decreases. Basically, muscle takes energy to maintain so the more muscle you have, the more calories your body will burn just doing nothing, just kind of at rest. And that's kind of your, your metabolism. 
So getting enough protein in combination with weight-based exercises, like the, the list training inside the Fit Over 40 program, can help to prevent and help to reverse you losing muscle mass. So by helping to keep your muscle mass high and keep your metabolism high, you will lose more body, body fat and you will feel stronger and you will feel more toned. So protein is key. And the recommendation is just get protein with every single meal. If you get protein with all your three main meals, you will feel fuller for longer. You'll not be as tempted to snack. And it also gives your body that vital fuel to get the best possible results in terms of building muscle tone and in terms of losing body fat. So tip number three, protein is key. Tip number four is to stick to foods which you don't have a tendency to overeat. So some people have certain trigger foods that kind of once they pop, they just can't stop the uh, Pringles slogan. So this is usually different for most people, but some people it will be chocolate, some people it will be biscuits, some people it will be crisps, some people it might be cheese or wine. If you have these foods, if you have these foods that kind of trigger you and you know you, they're very, very Moorish in particular for you, it's probably best to kind of avoid those foods or reduce those foods as much as possible. Often these foods that are very Moorish are things that are very, very high in calories, which means it doesn't take long to have eaten more than you're going to burn off that day. And if you eat more calories than you than you burn off that day, if you over your allowance, then it's not only impossible for you to lose any weight, but you're also likely to put on weight as a result. So if you know there's a food or a drink that's like this for you, what I would do is eliminate it from your diet as much as possible if you really want to get the scales moving, if you really want to see the best um, best possible results. However, I wouldn't recommend, like if you cut something out completely, I'd always recommend trying and replace that with a healthier substitute. So for example, if we go for wine as an example, if wine was kind of your, your problem food, your thing that you, you struggle to stay away from, firstly, first thing I would recommend would be try and cut it out for a certain period of time, see if your cravings for it reduce. And then second thing I would say is find yourself an alternative, something else that you can enjoy, um, but doesn't push your calories over what they need to be. And it's and you can enjoy, but it's not necessarily so Moorish for you. So for example, rather than wine, you could have a single slimline GNT, which is about a quarter of the calories. And you don't feel drawn to drink the whole bottle. So if you open a bottle of wine, you know, it's, it's easy to think, oh, I've opened the wine, I need to drink the wine before it goes bad. So I may as well have half the bottle tonight and half the bottle tomorrow night. Whereas if you have a GNT, you know, you can just put the bottle away. You don't have to finish the whole thing. And yeah, in terms of if you're having single slimline GNTs as well, you could have four GNTs in an evening and it would be the same as one glass of wine. So if you can find substitutes like that that let you have more, but that add up to less calories, as I talked about before, then you don't have to feel like you're missing out, but you're also going to be able to achieve your goals more easily. And another example would be um, if it's something like chocolate, um, if, you're, if you usually would eat kind of milk chocolate or something like that, if you go to dark chocolate, dark chocolate is, it gives you, for me, it gives me the same sort of feeling. I enjoy, still enjoy eating dark chocolate. It still feels indulgent, it still feels like a treat, but it's not Moorish for me in the same way as something else. If I had a, a bag of Maltesers or something, or M&Ms, I'll find those very, very Moorish. The, the fact that they're more sugary, it makes them more Moorish. It makes you want those things more. But dark chocolate, especially 80% or above, if you have a few squares of dark chocolate, 
there's only so much dark chocolate you can eat. It's like that, the chicken breast thing I said before. It's only so much you can eat before you're like, um, I'm kind of done with eating that dark chocolate now. So that's one option. Or you could also go for low calorie alternatives. So there's things like low calorie hot chocolates you can get or sugar-free marshmallows, which might be about 50 calories for those um, versus you know, 200 to 500 calories if you're going to open a bag of Maltesers and because they're so moorish, get through the whole, get through the whole bag. So tip number four, stick to foods that you don't have a tendency to overeat. If there are certain trigger foods that you struggle to stay away from, I try and cut those foods out as much as possible. Find yourself alternatives. Obviously don't cut them out completely. And on occasion, it's fine to indulge and to enjoy the things that you, that you like. But if you can make that the um, the exception to the rule, if you can make that the, the special occasion when you have those foods, rather than being the, um, rather than being like a regular occurrence or something that you struggle to stay away from, then again, it's much, much easier to achieve those goals. And the fifth and final tip then for making the best possible food choices is to avoid having too much alcohol. So alcohol, in terms of, as I talked about before, you know, avoiding those foods which are low in nutrition and high in calories. Alcohol is probably the, the, the number one thing for being very high in calories and not remotely filling. So it's got you know, no nutritional value. It's literally a poisonous substance you put into your body. We all know if you drink too much, you feel terrible the day afterwards. Your body doesn't really handle alcohol very well. It, may, it literally makes you ill if you have it. It's like a mild, mild sort of poison. But because of this, um, because it doesn't have any, it doesn't have that, that it doesn't make you feel full. It's not nutritious. It's also very, very easy to drink alcohol, but then not adjust your food intake to compensate. Most people, when they drink, they don't adjust their food intake to compensate. In fact, they'll probably go the wrong way. So most people, when they drink, you know, they'll drink and then maybe they grab a takeaway. Maybe they go out and eat something else unhealthy. Maybe they go and open a box of chocolates or some crisps to have with that wine or have with that, whatever it is they've had. So often it just leads you to make worse decisions. And rather than, you know, the ideal situation would be you have a glass of wine, you cut down your food intake to allow that glass of wine to fit into your overall food intake. But often it's, it's, it's the opposite way around. You have a glass of wine, you, which adds calories, and then you have additional calories as well because you've had the wine. And if you are having the extra calories from alcohol and also the extra calories from extra food, this can quickly lead to gaining a load of extra weight. So. For example, if you were to drink one glass of wine every single evening, that amount of calories is, if you don't compensate for it, is enough to gain around a third of a pound of body fat every week. So over the course of a year, that adds up to more than a stone. So just like one glass of wine every night, a stone could be creeping on every year. And if you think over five years, if you had a stone creep on every year for five years, and suddenly you find yourself five stone bigger than you were before, it can really make a huge difference over time. And that's just the alcohol. So if that alcohol was more than a glass every day, and if that also led to you having some unhealthy food to go along with the alcohol, it's going to be even more. So I wouldn't say that you need to cut out alcohol completely. A lot of people like to drink in a social situation. and I, I, I do the same thing. I wouldn't say it's a, a bad thing to do, but I would say if you want to see results in terms of fitness, in terms of losing body fat, the key thing is just making alcohol fit in with your overall calorie allowance. So if you have an evening event coming up, 
just make sure that you have a smaller breakfast, a smaller lunch, allow yourself a bit more calories in the evening so that you can enjoy dinner. You can enjoy also, also enjoy a couple of drinks. And overall, that's not going to impact your results. So tip number five is just avoid having too much alcohol. So to summarize those five tips and five tips on how to make the right or the best food choices. Firstly, just realize that there's no good foods or bad foods. That's, that's kind of a bad mindset that's taught by diets. There's no good foods or bad foods. Um, it's just about knowing which foods are the best choices. So just compare one food to another and choose which food you want to put into your body. Second tip is just to avoid tip, avoid foods that are naturally high in calories and low in nutrition. So you want to avoid foods that are beige, foods that are sugary, because they're going to increase cravings. They're going to make it hard to stay within your calorie count. And they're not, they're not nutritious for your body at all. Third tip is to eat foods that are higher in protein. Having Getting enough protein will make sure that you get the best possible results. So just every meal, make sure you get a bit of protein in. It's going to keep you feeling fuller for longer and it's going to help you to see the best possible results. Fourth tip, stick to foods that you don't have a tendency to overeat. So if you have foods that you know you struggle to stay away from, try and cut those things down as much as possible. And also make sure that in your house, you've got plenty of alternatives so that if you do feel, you feel like reaching for something, you've always got something healthy that you can reach for instead. And the fifth tip is just to avoid too much alcohol because if you don't fit the, fit alcohol into your overall calories, um, it's it's going to be really, really difficult. Well, you're probably not going to see any results because so, alcohol is not remotely filling, not remotely nutritious. So if you're going to drink, just be just plan that in and make sure that that fits in with your overall plan and your overall calorie allowance. So that's it for the kind of training section of this podcast. But I just wanted to finish with a couple of examples of women in their 40s and 50s who have been able to use these tips, put this into action and see some incredible results. So firstly, this is a, a, a testimony from Charlotte Rushton from Harrogate, who's a mum of two in her 40s with a demanding career. So she shared, she, she said, I joined Trinity in April as I was sick of having a heavy, thick set waist and love the results of other members. I'm more than happy to work hard, but until April, I didn't have a plan which would give me results. I just ate what I thought was a good diet and worked hard in the gym with zero results. Now, I'm the leanest I've been in years. I look great in my clothes and my confidence has grown significantly. I find I'm good at weight-based exercises and they've given me a strong shape that I love. Plus, my stomach is the flattest I've known for such a long, long time and my waist has gone from 33 and a half inches at the start to now being 29 inches. I've loved everything about Trinity. I've loved the community feel and the other members are very supportive. The professional support is excellent from the trainers. The content, both nutritional and exercise-based, is excellent. And most importantly, it works. So that was a great testimonial there from Charlotte. And I just want to finish with another one here from Julie from Devon, who had struggled to lose any weight since turning 50 and hitting the menopause. So Julie said, before I started, I was an unhappy size 12 to 14, probably 14. I lacked confidence, felt frumpy, and generally felt that nothing I wore looked nice. I felt like people judged me on my size. I had tried Weight Watchers and been successful years ago, but since turning 50 and hitting menopause, nothing I had done before was working. I tried Slimming World for a day, but after being told to eat low-calorie foods and be given, being given no sensible advice, I decided it wasn't for me. Looking at Trinity, I thought it might be too restrictive and all about taking the money but not giving any new information, but that was just a small part of me. Everything in the advert resonated with me and so I wanted to believe it could work. 
Since joining Trinity, I've lost about 22 pounds. I am more toned to the point people have said they want my arms. I've lost 14 centimeters from my waist and gone down two dress sizes. I'm stronger physically and emotionally. I've gained the confidence to leave situations that don't serve me, to find and join new groups, to change roles at work, and I've spent years refusing to wear shorts and vest tops for running. Now I have no issue doing this, and I'm running stronger and faster than I have than I ever have. So another amazing testimonial there from Julie. It just goes to show that when you put this system into action, if you have the right program for women over 40, women in their 40s, women in their 50s, even if you haven't been able to see results in the past, even if you've struggled to see results with other methods, it's still possible to see amazing results in a very, very short space of time. So if you'd like to find out more about the exact program that Charlotte and Julie followed, best thing to do is just head over to www.fit40info.com and you can grab all the details of the program they follow there. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.